everybody, and welcome to this podcast with myself, Chris Pope, the VP of Innovation at ServiceNow. So, since the start of the pandemic, the NHS has faced a range of issues and a number of complex challenges, from helping patients diagnosed with COVID to continuing to deliver frontline health services that we all have come to rely on. But they've done this whilst being completely remote as well. So while these have created huge logistical challenges within their world, and perhaps the country's most important public service, they've also driven a huge digital transformation program on an incredible scale, all within the last 12 months. Now, NHS Digital has been at the helm of this transformation journey. And as people focus on that institution first and foremost, digital transformation in the NHS is concerned less about the nuts, the bolts, and the technology and how it works, but really about the human impact of that technology and what it does, what it does it enable and what does it provide us. So given that that transformation is really about understanding the problems, finding better ways to solve them, and a human first approach, that helps build a much more efficient, engaging environment, and hopefully empowers much better decision-making than we've seen before. So how did they do it? It all sounds fantastic. It all sounds really interesting. And again, less about the technology, but more about the people transformation. And let's face it, if they hadn't done this during this last 12, 16 months of the pandemic and what's happened around us, maybe the impact of COVID would have been a lot worse than we thought it was and how it has actually turned out for each and every single one of us. So to find out more about this and this great topic, we're really, really lucky to be joined by a friend of mine, Sally Bock, who's the head of Live Solutions at NHS Digital. Welcome, Sally. Hi, Chris. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, pleasure. It's a good one. We're glad you could join us and such a great service that, you know, everyone knows and at some point has touched their lives or their families' lives. So I guess my first sort of, I guess, point or question with this thing, right? This has been one of the biggest challenges, if not the biggest challenge the NHS has ever faced. Um, and there you are, day one, you know, you haven't been there that long in the grand scheme of things, which I'm sure you'll explain to us shortly, you know, and your, your task, if you will, is right. Hey, Sally, here you go. You know, we need to overhaul, we need to implement and think about this digital transformation journey. And you don't really have much time to figure that out. It's like overnight, away you go. Welcome to your new job, right? So how did that feel and sort of how did you start to adapt and adopt to those situations? So you're absolutely right, Chris. I've not been in post very long. I joined NHS Digital on the 4th of May, which if we cast our minds, that was kind of um, right at the beginning. We were kind of six weeks into lockdown and NHS Digital was by that point about two months into its COVID transformation piece. So um, what did it feel like? Um, it was very strange joining a new organisation uh, from a desk in my bedroom and, and it wasn't really, really how I'd planned um, things, not my style at all, but um, I came into a, an organisation that was working incredibly hard and was incredibly um, focused and was just in the middle of kind of pivoting and focusing on some of the services that everybody will be really familiar with. So test and trace. So we're heavily involved in the test element of the test and trace service, things like the shielded patient list, the COVID dashboards. We were looking at providing a remote and clinical desktop, supporting video consultations. I mean, there was just so many new services that were being uh, kind of uh, sprung up at, at real pace and real 
uh, velocity all the time while the organization was getting used to remote working working itself so so I kind of came into that organization and it was a real challenge for me the speed in particular I've come from higher education which is tends to be a much slower steadier uh, pace so yeah it was it was really difficult but it was um, really exciting and you know I can't speak for everybody but what I can say is working for NHS Digital you do feel like you're part of something incredibly special and you do feel like you're part of the <coughs> NHS and you know it's just amazing that uh, you're in meetings during the day and then um, somebody will be talking about the services that you've been discussing in these meetings in the, um, the COVID briefings and they'll be on the news at 10 and you know <laughs> that sense of pride everybody's got to say that you know they were they were part of that um it is absolutely incredible and i think that has been the key to success is everybody knowing what it was we were delivering and how important it was um, and that just really gave everything momentum and that that sense of direction and that's been absolutely at the heart of um our success really yeah it's you know you you know we work in it you used to work in education and we always talk about you know how does technology or it get closer to their their business for one of a better word right mm -hmm. all the service providers within the organization and if you said nhs to somebody you know you'd have that sort of classic doctor surgery a e hospital yeah. sort of picture in your mind not that the technology side of it that, that underpins everything that's happened and i think <laughs> this acceleration has sort of you know um enabled us all to get a lot more information than we've ever had before but i think Absolutely. also you talk a lot about you know bringing technology and services to where your users are in this case your patients right so putting like you say the test and trace app the check-in with the barcodes registering mm -hmm. your test results on you know on your mobile app and scanning a, a qr code on a on mm. a you know on a on a lateral flow test if you are which i do two a week of you know yeah. um i think there's a there's an underestimation of what it takes to make those things and i think what you've achieved in 12 months sort of is probably a lot more and a lot more visible than maybe has happened in the last 10 years well, if you think about data has been absolutely at the heart of the COVID response and it is absolutely critical and absolutely crucial. Um, so there was a requirement right at the very beginning. So just to, just to say as well that NHS Digital is the national data custodian for, for a lot of the NHS data and we knew it was going to be crucial. Um, so right at the beginning of COVID, there was a requirement for a number of private dashboards and data sets. And they, they were stood up really, really quickly. But then it became obvious that there's a requirement for, for kind of a broader a broader use of, of those. So over the last 12 months, those data sets have been enhanced and further developed. If you think about things like the shielded patient list as well, how absolutely critical that has been in um, protecting our most uh, vulnerable, our most vulnerable citizens. Again, that was stood up really, really quickly. And it's actually a really, really complex um data set it gets data from from all kinds of different sources and it has to put data in other sources to enable people to get the access to the to the help and the services um, and that was um that was stood up for the covid response but actually the nhs is looking at that now and, and realizing that that's actually a very useful tool and, and it's very likely that its life will extend far beyond um 
COVID, COVID-19. So, you know, that for me is the digital transformation. It's that extending, extending the use of this, these amazingly powerful data sets um, to improve healthcare and to pr- hopefully to improve health outcomes for, for citizens. And that is a great joy of working at NHS Digital. You are absolutely um, at the centre of what you're delivering in terms of, of, of technology. You know every day, you know what the outcomes are that you're delivering. And, and that, that's really, really powerful, I think. It, I mean, it's huge, right? It's a massive burden of responsibility that you have, not just for, you know, what we all kind of expect and, and somewhat the luxury that we have of the doctors are there, you can go to a and you can get care at that moment that you need it. But I think more so now that it's digital and with the online side of the NHS as well now, your responsibility for being a data guardian all of a sudden, probably 10, 15 years ago, you know, that would have been paperwork in the doctor's yeah. surgery. You know, now it's all online and, you know, we all know what's going on with cyber and those sort of thing. And I think, you know, an organization as as large, as complex, but so critical to the NHS that we kind of, you know, it's there for us, you know, in that sort yeah. of way. And the way you've brought about that sort of end to end digitalization, if you will, um, is really, really interesting. I said, but within all of that, right, you know, you joined when you did. What was the impact on on the teams and the people? And I think, you know historically government slash public sector type organizations have been quite monolithic and maybe not the fast or the first to move that's not the case anymore at all and sort of leading the charge in many cases and under the leadership of sarah wilkinson as well who's the ceo and friend of mine um you know what did you see coming in from a people and the team standpoint what what changed during the pandemic so I um, I think the thing for me is just seeing, um, of, you know, the dedication and the passion and the commitment, people working incredibly hard, working incredibly long hours, but also the flexibility, you know, people were literally changing the way they were working and changing what they were doing. So I'll give you a really, really good example. One of the teams within my area is our fantastic service bridge. So our service bridge look after all our major incident management. We don't call it major incident management. We call it high severity service incidents. Major incidents in healthcare can often mean other things. So we just have to be careful of terminology. But um, they'd always been an office-based team you know they had all their monitoring and everything up up on the screens and so not only were they supporting this massive increase in demand and very different services they had to pick up everything that they were doing and kind of move it remotely so they were not a team that had worked remotely um, and they've shown great great creativity and great flexibility in in how they've adopted to those new ways of working. So because it's pretty fast paced and it's incident response, um, a lot of teams have stand-ups twice a week, but they actually have three a day. And just to make oh, sure wow. that they are, um, they're checking in um, and, and they're having those conversations and the handoffs and the hand points are, are all there. And, um, you know, and by the time I arrived, they were sort of six weeks into that and that was working um fairly smoothly so i think you you know there's so many examples of that flexibility and that creativity within the workforce um that we just wouldn't have been able to deliver deliver without that and it it makes me real feel really proud and actually really privileged to to be a part of this organization it's it's wonderful it's huge you know and my wife you know when before we had our children and things she was in the nhs and it is it's a moment of pride for everybody and sort of puts a lump in your throat and everyone has a connection or a or a thread to the NHS somehow, right? And where we depend on it. So I think, you know, it's interesting you talk there about the stand-ups, right? And that sort of idea. Yeah. You know, clearly 
you've developed and deployed um, a lot of technology, but at scale with a lot of robustness and sort of resiliency within it. And, you know, those daily standups and different things. And suddenly, you know, someone makes a statement on the news and everyone flops and tries to log in, yeah. right? That's like, you know, it might even look like a denial of service attack in some cases, right? Because you have this massive volume all of a sudden, right? So, you know, in terms of what that looks like, you know, with testing is a good example of how we went, I think, early days, you know, that 100,000 tests now in the sort of millions numbers, you know, how did the technology program support or underpin all of those things? You know, do you now do more frequent but smaller releases? Do you sort of have you changed those stand-ups and the way you go about the process of delivering technology? I think, yes, I would say definitely. So um, there is still a lot of very traditional service management processes within um, live services. So the live services directorate of which I'm part of, we are the um, operation and run and maintain of, of all the live services. Um, and they've always been quite heavily traditional service management, so traditional change, traditional um, release. Um, and, and we've had to change some of that. I mean, we were doing some DevOps and some Agile, but um, but the test service is, a, you know, is a, a, an example of where that has just really kind of blown everything out of the water. And I think we were just looking at some statistics last week. We do around, I think, I think in March, we did 90 releases on the um, wow. <laughs> test service. So if you think about where we were, when I, the, I think the day I joined, we would just hit the 100,000 a day test target. Um, and and now, like you say, with the lateral flow tests and people uploading them, we're, we're averaging about two, we can average about two million a day, particularly on a Wow. Sunday night ready for all the kids to go back to school on the <laughs> on the Monday morning and yet, yeah that we've had to kind of um, develop those processes on the fly I think the absolute key to all that has been collaboration um, and it's been a massive massive undertaking with um, the program and live services being heavily embedded in in those teams and um, really establishing those command and control um structures you know really really uh, early on and um, but it seems to be you know the release process seems to be running reasonably smoothly now we've um obviously when you, you you're working at that speed initially there was a number of um incidents and things that caused us some issues but we're now we're now seeing that that service really stabilize and and um and get that resilience in so yeah it's a it's a, a, a massive achievement I think collaboration and just working together not just within live services right across the programs working with NHS England and Public Health England and all those commissioning bodies as well. Yeah no I think it's phenomenal it's such a great story and you know like you said you know we've talked previously about NHS Scotland and sort of the work they've done and, and the amazing yeah. sort of scale they've achieved with their programs and you know and, and a lot of it does come back to this data element that you know it's it's not about, you know, making money, reducing cost. Truly, in this case, it's about saving lives, right? It, it, there is a direct correlation. And I think, you know, one of those great things of sort of all the things that you're doing around your releases and process changes and, and culture change as well, those fundamental changes around how you handle processes, patient data, et cetera, you know, it, it really sets you up for the future. And I think, you know, post-pandemic let's hope june the 21st very close to my birthday which will be quite exciting um you know it's allowed you to accelerate but also you know keep some of those behaviors and practices going forward so do you think you know that if you could pick one or two that like yeah you know what that has fundamentally changed the way we work for the better would there be one or two that you would call out and say that's something we just cannot 
you know, not do going forward? I think in terms of kind of the the, the service management practices, I think um, we've got some really good examples of release management working at speed and working at velocity um, and, and changes links into that. So we're really keen to kind of exploit that um, going forward and, and keep hold of all that that good stuff there. Um, I think in terms of the culture and and the people, um, it's the flexibility um, and being able to you know allow people to step outside of their teams or their services. Um, so yeah, I think um, the flexibility has been absolutely incredible and the collaboration as well and being able to do all that um, whilst working remotely. Um, yeah. Definitely keen to see. Um, you know the the what 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 this new world means in terms of day to day working practices for people. I think yeah. a lot of the rhetoric that's online at the moment about um, uh, the future of work is very black and white, isn't it? It's either oh, home working is the future, or no, everybody's desperate to get back in the office. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, I am desperate to get back in the office. I will never <laughs> home work. I don't have to, uh, but I I completely understand it's personal preference. Yeah. And I can really see how much flexibility and how it's um, remote working and home working has imp- actually improved people's work-life balance in some respects. I think you have to be really careful. I know my own experience has been the time I used to commute, I end up just logging on and working anyway, and that's not really the solution. But certainly people with caring responsibilities and families being able to work from home um, and being able to work you know, flexible hours – that's something I really hope not just the NHS digital keeps, but the the you know the entire kind of um, uh, global community really, because yeah. I just think there's so much flexibility for people. There's that you know I've got I've got colleagues and and friends that have got young families, and they've really really benefited from additional time at home with 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 young children. I was I was did a, um, I was on a call a few weeks ago and and somebody was saying, you know, they would never have been able to put their little one to bed by the time they've got home and done the commute and everything. It just wouldn't have been been possible. And um uh, you know my 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 manager and uh, the associate director of, of live services, Sam Robinson, you know, she, she's in that same position. She's got three young children um, and she's been able to work flexibly, you know, um yeah. Uh, incredibly hard I might add as well but um yeah so I, 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 behavior wise and, and culture wise I think that's something that's going to need more consideration I think it's going to be really interesting isn't it everybody working from home is a real leveler we're all in the same boat you know I've seen cats I've seen children I've heard dogs barking <laughs> and on the on calls and and that's been really nice and and really humanizing I think when it's going to get really tricky is when some of us come back into the office and some of us don't and how you know if you're in a meeting room and you've got two people remote and and six people uh, present you know how does how does that work and I think um, we'll need to establish some new kind of uh, principles around that but it's exciting isn't it as well yeah it's that dynamic that people dynamic as well and how You know, we I think proximity historically of being in the same building, walking down the hallway and seeing you has given us the ability to do certain things that, you know, maybe have to change or shift during the pandemic. I think the other big part of that as well, though, is interesting, you know, whether it's, you know, data, mobile on our devices, et cetera. Right? I think the best one of the big parts of it for me is that sort of democratization of the data. Right. So I think, yeah. you know, whatever comes out of this how healthcare sort of becomes more front and center in the sense of that classic, you know, having to schedule an appointment, go and visit your GP, et cetera. 
it, it's in your hand now. You can do a lot of those things. So I think what the, the service has provided through this sort of sets the stage up for the modern healthcare service um, it, and sort of where it goes next. Yeah, it definitely does. I think it's just going to see a real shift um, in in. Uh, in kind of the balance of in healthcare, and I see I see the future being it being much more driven by citizens, um, and putting kind of healthcare data in the hands of citizens. And so I think it's going to be, um, I think we're going to be kind of the transformation is just at the beginning. Um, I think it is really really going to going to change our our sector. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because, you know, the other side, you know, I was just just this morning, I was talking to my mum who doesn't have a smartphone, you know, and she yeah. still rings up, for, you know, uh, hospital transportation and those sort of things, you know, and it's, and I think, yes, great data, smartphones, all those good things, but we do have an aging population as well, who, you know, no different to banking, she's petrified of using mobile banking. But for her, it's a social interaction to go to the bank on the high street and talk to another human being, right? Because that's yeah. kind of what's comfortable for her. So I think, you know, you start looking at that and suddenly based on sort of, like you're saying, go to a festival or whatever, you know, lifestyle choices, any number of things, you start to get more into sort of potentially preventative care that we know about yes. you. Maybe maybe you've got a wearable and it's submitted yeah. information as part of it and that you know, we all know GPs are overrun and, and wait times and all those things, right? But are there things that I, as a patient and a citizen, can do that actually contributes and helps that? Where I'd normally just go for a checkup, maybe that could be a video appointment or, you know, how, you know, almost speed dating like, you know, yeah. in that sense. There's, there's so many different sort of aspects to that which are interesting. Um, so, you know, if you think sort of, you know, the transformation that you guys and girls have all been through, you know, and, and we're all on this journey, you know, we're on it service now in a lot of things that we're doing, and a lot of the customers that, you know, I talk to and our teams talk to, you know, if you could sort of, you know, what's your golden nugget of information that if everyone's like, oh my God, I want to be like Sally, Sally's kind of cool, right? How do I get <laughs> on that journey that Sally's on? You know, what would your advice be? So I would say I think the key to uh, the success of NHS Digital is that absolute sense of direction and purpose. Um, and everybody knows what we were trying to achieve and not what we were trying to achieve, but absolutely what we needed to achieve and what we needed to deliver. Um, and it was so critical and it's so crucial. And I think just having, you know, everybody knowing that. So so it's very easy for us in the NHS. It's very uh, black and white. It's all about um, healthcare and improving healthcare outcomes. And, you know, that can be life-saving for some people. But I think for me, digital transformation is what are you trying to achieve? What is the end goal? What is the purpose? And just making sure that that's really clear and everybody understands that. Because actually, we all know it's not process and it's not technology that get things done. It's people. Um, and without <laughs> the people, you know, you just won't achieve anything. So it's remembering, I guess, that um, people are at the heart of digital transformation. and You've got to take them on that journey. So be really clear about what that end goal is. What is it you want to achieve? And just make sure that everybody kind of buys into that. Yeah. And I remember in some of the, you know, the other conversations we've had, one of them was about be brave. 
Own it, be brave, yeah. right? Definitely, definitely. So this was um, this came out in a in a session we did a couple of weeks ago, and, we've, um, and we were all asked about what would be our one thing, and, and a colleague of mine said be brave and I think that's 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 really kind of stuck with me because it has been difficult and it has been challenging um, and we've had to do things differently and we've had to all step out of our comfort zone you know I'm not going to lie I have had the most challenging 12 months of my professional career and, and personally as well it's been really difficult um, uh, and you know we've had to make bold choices and we've had to make difficult decisions but again with that end goal in mind of what you're trying to achieve and, and why it needs to be done, I think that makes that um, a little bit a little bit easier. Yeah, no, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think, you know, not to sort of be a downer or I'll put a, a dampener on things, I guess, you know, part of this as well, you know, was often when we, we look at these programs and projects, there's sort of that analysis of, you know, well, what's the risk, right? You know, what's the risk of doing nothing? Well, in this case, you had no choice. We it's didn't like, know. We absolutely have to do this, right? But I guess there's some elements within it, a little bit like we were sort of saying, you know, and, and you've explained this brilliantly, is sort of you've put the human at the heart of everything. You've put the patient at the heart of everything and the employees, right? So that, you know, as you say, yeah. people have stepped outside of comfort zones and done things that maybe they were never expected to yeah. do or certainly never hired to do, you know? Yeah. Do you think within that it's, you know, in the way you've approached it, you've you sort of put everyone on the bus with you. No one's really been left behind. Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely agree. And and you know, um, the services, the nature of the services that we're delivering, we've we've had to take some risks in the last twelve months. But all yeah. those risks have been really, really considered. And one, it sounds really ridiculous when I say that. One of the things that surprised me when I arrived was we have actual clinicians working with us in NHS. <laughs> so you'll be on calls with pharmacists and GPs yeah. and they have a role um, often seconded into to, um, NHS Digital to help us do that clinical risk. And we have a whole team that help yeah. us with the information governance and, and the security. So we have had to take risks, but they've all been really, really well considered and, and well understood. And again, that's that collaboration. It's that joined up piece right across um, NHS Digital and everybody being on that bus and being on that journey and knowing what it is that we're, we're trying to achieve, I think, has been what's successful. Yeah, it's brilliant. That sort of analogy, you know, I, you often see, you know, in technology and organisations where we implement products and platforms and processes without really in, involving the end user, the persona that you know, in the middle of the night, you know, wherever they are, whatever they do, they're expected to follow these processes and do these things. And, and they're more clunky and cumbersome than actually getting in the way of the care of the services yeah. and the patients that they're providing for. So, no, I, I, it, it's absolutely fantastic. I love it. And this whole conversation, other than data, we haven't really yeah. talked about technology, which I absolutely love. And, yeah. and part of this. so, you know, these examples you've shared today, Sally, have been brilliant, right? And how you've enabled this change uh, in the organization, been part of a fundamental team that, you know, I've had to be on it. Like, it's, it's not that you haven't had any time off, but you haven't really, you know, you've had to be on it. And, yeah. And, and change into dynamics that you have no control over, really. You're relying yeah. on 60, 70 million people that really drives and influences the transformation and the direction and the decisions you make on a daily basis. So, um, you know, fantastic, incredible journey. Uh, and thank you for sharing that. You know, I'm sure it's resonated with a lot of our listeners uh, and hopefully they want to make similar changes, make a difference. I know you're active on social media and those sort of things. It's often where we interact. Um, it is so indeed, it's, uh, yeah. 
if uh, if anyone wants to follow Sally and obviously the great teams that are at NHS and NHS Digital, I should say, then please do that both on Twitter and LinkedIn. So Sally, thanks again. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. It's been really good. And, and just to say, I feel incredibly, incredibly proud and privileged to work in such an amazing organisation. I've got some absolutely fantastic colleagues. So, yeah, thank Brilliant. you. Big bravo to all of them. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening in. And uh, we'll speak to you all again soon. Thank you. Thank you.